and warning. This episode contains mention of pornography, child pornography, and revenge porn. Hello, you're listening to The Mastery Diplomat. What comes to mind when you hear the term deepfake? Manipulation, fake news, dystopia, or nothing at all. To quickly recap what deepfakes are, they are synthetic pieces of media, such as forms of pictures and videos, in which a person in an existing real image is replaced by somebody's likeness. So, it's a production of a deeply manipulated illustration with artificial elements, hence a deepfake. Yes, faking content has been prevalent for centuries, but what differentiates deepfakes is that powerful techniques from machine learning and AI are applied to produce a manipulated visual. Obviously, this seems and is an enormous potential to deceive in the age of mass media and fake news. They pose threats to every aspect of our society. You may ask if you've unintentionally come across deepfakes without knowing. Hell, you may have even played around with the technology, such as through the popular Reface app on smartphones, or even simply Snapchat. Well, deepfakes are mainly prevalent when it comes to producing hoaxes, revenge porn, financial fraud, fake news, and celebrity pornographic videos. A variety of industries and governments are aiming to detect and limit the usage of deepfakes. But we've got to wonder, is this feasible? Or is it too late to stop this high-tech tool? Hi, my name is Ethan. I'm joined by Rue and Brendan. And on today's podcast, we will explore the world of deepfakes. Where did they originate? What forms do they take? How do they affect us? And how do they play a role in our future? Yeah, it's pretty astounding how it affects us and how uh, prevalent it is now and how this technology will play out in the future. But could you maybe give us an example of how it works or or some examples of where we see this often in day-to-day life? Without even realizing, you might have come across deepfake content over the years. Basically, it's in every kind of media, right? From sketches, movies, TV shows, music videos, and other. Computer learning has made machines more aware of what and where our faces are. So they know how to map our ears, our noses, our eyes, our mouths, and other features of our face. So you can understand it's ridiculously easy for a machine to automatically map somebody's face over another person's face. How is this basically done? Or more specifically, what does the individual have to do in all of this? Basically, somebody just sits behind a computer and has to input a variety of different sound bits or video and picture bits of a specific subject, let's say Michael Jackson, for example, or any other individual, and just get a lot of footage from various aspects of this uh, subject. Once it's filtered through the machine, the machine will have learned and mapped correctly uh, one person's face over the other. You might have forgotten this, but it's everywhere. Basically, if you look at movies such as The Irishman, Star Wars Episode 7, or even the ridiculous movie Cats. But what's the difference then between that, which I like high-quality CGI in films, and deepfakes? Well, basically, nowadays, you don't. there's not too much of a difference, unfortunately, because maybe, let's say, five to ten years ago, like the high-tech software would just be in the hands of big Hollywood producers and would only be performed by 
very, very expensive and fast computers, but now it can even be done with your smartphone. The deepfake technology has become better, even scarily good, and has shockingly doubled its content in the last 10 months. Also interestingly, the fact that over 96% of all of the deepfake content online is pornographic is also pretty shocking. I guess some people are just fascinated with putting celebrities' faces over porn stars or want to have revenge on an ex-girlfriend and do the exact same thing. It's a pretty twisted reality. So what you're saying is it's become cheaper and easier and kind of boosted by internet consumption of pornography. Oh yeah, completely. And this is also dangerous because we inadvertently like also assist in this process. How, you may ask? Well, just know that nowadays everyone, let's say everyone who has access to the internet and likes to occasionally post uh, pictures online is a target for people who create this type of content. Imagine you're a 15-year-old girl and you have a variety of different pictures on your Instagram. High-quality pictures with different angles. This is just a jackpot, I would say, for some creators. But let me ask you this now. Should we be more careful with what we post online? Or rather, do you think the existence of deepfakes influences our behaviors online? So with activity online and whether or not things should be more private or more open is always, I think, a bigger cultural question. But when it comes to the idea of deepfakes, I think more and more people are scared of, especially women, of their faces and their names being used um, in contexts which they don't consent with. And to be honest, this is just a online um, version of humiliating women and suppressing women. It's, you know, it's no wonder that oppressive natures of men and the male way of making the world has moved to an offline sphere. So... For women, there is a danger with deepfakes, I think, more than men. With a lot of these companies, deepfakes don't work for men. They're specifically designed only to work for women. So when you're making pornographic deepfakes, you're not necessarily doing it for the purpose of putting a male face on the figure, but for the purpose of putting a female face. So I think when it comes to where we need to protect um, ourselves against this is much more of a female issue than necessarily like a wider issue. It, it comes with, in the realm of feminism now and that it's something that has to be tackled. And this idea that I feel like a lot of arguments for deepfake or it's not the worst thing is just very hostile to women and just enjoys humili humiliating them on an offline platform. I guess to answer the question is, yeah, I think... As a society, we need to be more aware of the impacts of deepfake, the fact that they can hurt you, and anyone can be targeted. You're very vulnerable online, much more than people realized how vulnerable you are. Right. Um, I'd like to like completely agree, first of all, what you're saying. I just, I'd just like to specify on one little point. <clears throat> when you say that women are more impacted by this, you're completely 100% right. But when it comes into pornographic nature or things as such, because... There is websites, which I don't know if I should mention or not. Mm -hmm. There is websites such as Mr. Deepfake, um, in which the software is completely made to 
kind of match, I guess, a specific person's face with a specific body type of a woman. So depending on breasts and other parts, um, I guess in terms of pornographic means, it's extremely, extremely dangerous for women. Uh, but in the general sense of it, it's dangerous on a bigger scale in our society. But at least from an individual point of view of how it could hurt an individual, females are really much more at risk. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, politically, men and female are equally at risk. Um, and I think, yeah, definitely in the wider society, these things could be used, I don't know, to hurt people's careers, etc., etc. But it's, again, like uh, an issue that needs to be put specifically on like a feminist platform and an issue that specifically needs to look at that point because, like you said earlier, the 95% of this deep fake that's online is to do with pornography. And it leaves a lot of especially young girls vulnerable mm -hmm. and I think that's something that we need to really take into an account because for one you cannot detect the age of a girl you cannot detect where they come from you know in terms of do they have access more to understanding that their image is being used do they have access to lawyers do they have these other means so yeah it is part of a wider social problem but again, with with more technology rising and more of our world becoming offline, problems like this start to arise. And I think, yeah, politically as well, it's becoming more of an issue. I'd actually like to ask you, Ru. So since the last couple of days you've been digging into deepfakes a bit more, has it changed how you view your online security? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like the first thing I did when I was uh, reading this uh, was contact my younger sister because she has a non-privated uh, Instagram and I was like danger danger private it <laughs> do it now and I like texting my friends like everyone I knew close to me I'm like private you need to private this you don't know what's gonna happen because some of the stories of these girls who have had their pictures taken like they they don't have a lot of followers they're not mm -hmm. big Instagram types it's just about how much you post yeah. so you might have like 200 100 followers you know, but you post, you have like 150 posts. That's a goldmine for deepfakers. And and as 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 Ethan explained, the the way the technology works is the more angles, the more uh, shots you have of a certain face, the better you can replicate it. Mm -hmm. So Instagram, especially open Instagrams, mm -hmm. which are used by most most people between the age of 15 and and 25, mm -hmm. um, uh, or a lot of them. Uh, it is, as you said, a goldmine for, for, for people who want to do this. And when you were talking about before about the age and how the technology to, to determine the age of, of someone's face is not very good at best and not really there at worst. And uh, what deepfakes allow is an easy access to pretty much pedophilic porn, where you can take the uh, like a some young-looking porn star and just put the young child who you've been fetishizing onto that body and make make this kind of porn and then you've got the the dual the dual purpose of it being a personal item that you you put away and you watch it and you know as 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 a creep does you could also put it online and then that that opens a whole other problem for for these young mainly girls as you said um, yeah and especially somewhere like the netherlands which has very loose 
uh, cyber um, restrictions and with already being one of the hotspots for child sex pornography and I think it's number one in Europe, I'm not 100% sure I read an article on this, I forget. But um, yeah, the Netherlands is one of the hotspots in the whole entire world for uh, broadcasting child sex pornography. Mm-hmm. The idea of deep fakes and the you know the liberty to make them in a country like the Netherlands, who has this online freedom, it naturally produces a danger, and especially for small you know te- young teenage girls as well. And the worry is that if it goes towards a more economic side of making money or something, I don't know, a deep fake maybe like um, OnlyFans or something weird like that. The vulnerability becomes more because when you add money or the potential of making money to something, it or I feel like that always brings something yeah. added to the yeah. danger. For sure. I feel like at least we can all agree and kind of conclude in a way that we should all be more vigilant of what we post online. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And uh, yeah, just know that we are in an age right now where where technology is advancing more rapidly than we can even understand. So. Let's all be more vigilant about what we post online because whether you may think you're not the next victim, you might always be. Not to scare you or anything. <laughs> no, absolutely to scare you. <laughs> Private your Instagrams. <laughs> yes, please. Number one. Please be that the only lesson you take from this podcast. Right. Um, what I mean, what's also interesting is, as you said, that the money you can get from this, there are, there are different ways that people have already monetized this technology. Uh, one of them is, uh, I think the website's called this person does not exist dot um, com. You can check it out if you're near a browser. What it does is it generates a random face that, as the title of the website gives away, doesn't exist, isn't real, uh, but looks real. And sometimes they look uncanny. Sometimes they look like they're out of some sort of Lovecraftian novel. But usually they, they look very believable and it's kind of weird. And yeah, on this website, you can buy a thousand faces for a thousand dollars, I think. But then there are other ways this technology has already been used or technology that's similar to this. For example, speech synthesis, where uh, it, it replicates the voice of, um, of someone. And it, it does it in a similar way by using snippets of what the person has already said and, and then generating something that they, that they say. And, and this works really well hand in hand with deepfakes as you can imagine. Because if you can get someone's voice and someone's image to say whatever you want them to say, you can imagine the repercussions, especially the people who have already a large cache online of images and videos of them speaking and recordings of them are politicians, are celebrities, are people who have power and who are in the public eye. The implications of this are quite real you can you can look at it maybe from from the celebrity aspect where you have jay-z or uh there there were videos of jay-z on youtube uh delivering shakespeare lines where people thought it was real but it it wasn't people thought it was part of his new album part of his new hype but this was just someone who has such a presence in video and in audio that we can with using this technology create fake things quite well because as we said before, like, like with Instagram, there's a huge cr- cache of this data that can be used. This is where it gets even more disrupting is where you look at it from a, from a, uh, from a political point of view or from, from some sort of government where you use the image and sound 
of someone and you use that to spread disinformation or chaos. Um, I think we have we have a couple of clips from President Obama. Rue hasn't heard these yet, so we're going to play them and um, we're going to see if Rue can tell the difference between which one is Obama and which one isn't, and also you guys. We stand not for empire, but for self-determination. That is why we have a stake in the democratic aspirations that are now washing across the On that day, no matter where we came from, what God we prayed to, or what race or ethnicity we were, we were united as one American family. But I have access to the entire arsenal of the United States Marine Corps, and I will use it to its full extent to wipe your miserable ass off the face of the continent and families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never ever let you down. America will start winning again, winning like never before. We will bring back our jobs. We will bring. That is ridiculous. Yeah. So you all have... of them. They're not all. No. No. The no. first two were him. Yeah. And the last two and were. And the last two. Well, actually, yeah. this we one with the like jobs, it's basically Rams like Obama like repeating or synthesized into Trump's speech. So this is Trump's words, but just with oh Obama's voice. Oh my gosh. Ru just rolled her eyes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Exactly. No, like that last one, the second last one. Other countries yeah, that our one. Products, stealing our companies and destroying our jobs. Protection Man, will lead that sound like him. <laughs> that sound like him. <laughs> I don't like that. That's creepy. So, this, nope. Nope. So for those of you still playing at home, um, well, you might have just heard like three different voice clips, right? Uh, and you might have even correctly analyzed or uh, concluded which one was a fake one. But what if we told you in the future, or what if we refrained from telling you that one of them was fake? Depending on your perception, because now it's really easy to say like, oh yeah, I can detect a deep fake, no worry, easy peasy. It might be completely different when you come across it on the internet. Yeah, it might be too difficult. You could come across it and already think that it's that it's fake and that already color how you view it or it could actually be fake and you could be duped by some video online this actually makes me want to ask you guys what is your experience with deep fakes or this technology have you and also you listening have you or do you think that you've come across this already or have you come across this yeah i've played around with the technology here and there honestly it's really fun but that's the hard part of it isn't it it's really fun but it's really scary at the same time Let's say we saw the dawn of this technology with the dog filter on Snapchat, where, haha, the, the technology could detect where our faces were and basically create a cute little image off of that. Or that Russian program. Remember the one that made you old? I don't know if, if, if you remember using that. Oh, yeah. The, the, the one where you got really, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like Ooh, the face swap weird. stuff on Snapchat. Yeah. yeah. Or there's even the most recent uh, one called the Reface app, where basically it's a Chinese company which steals your data, by the way. So, you know, use okay. it with your own risk. Uh, but you can insert your face into like random clips of mu movies, anything really. So it's funny here and there, but 
we don't really think too much about the implications, which we certainly should. I guess my experience uh, with deepfakes is coming from a friend of mine who actually was a victim of uh, pornography deepfake doing an internship in um, Australia and she has about 1,000 to 2,000 followers on Instagram and yeah, she was having a really good time. Um, when she then went to university in the States Basically, she got an email from a friend of hers saying that they found her on a pornographic website, basically, her face, and her name was the title of the video, so I won't mention her name now, just in case. And uh, yeah, she was really shocked, and because the pornographic website, or I'm not too sure about the logistics of it, but because it's in Australia, and she's in America, getting a lawsuit and going through the uh, process of taking it down is extremely difficult and it costs a lot of money. So at the moment, she hasn't been able to get it down at all because she doesn't have A, the funds for the lawyer, two, it's near impossible to get them taken down, and it's become very traumatic for her because... I can only imagine. Yeah, this is something that she will be associated with for the rest of her life, a fake pornographic film. And I think that's what really sticks. The idea that, you know, her future partner, her maybe her children, that is something that, you know, stuff on the web stays there forever. Searching her name, you can find that on these websites, on the web, and for her future, that impacts it, and it's all fake. She didn't give her consent to that. She didn't do anything. All she did was have an unprivated Instagram and have a great gap year in Australia. And this is the result. So it is a real problem in it, and it has a great impact on people. Yeah, right. Especially on the individual who, who, who's hit. This mm. is just, it's, it's, I think when we're talking about it like this, it's easy to forget that behind each one of these cases is a person mm -hmm. and their family and their entire life. Yeah. I guess the biggest victim of all this is, is always the individual at the bottom, right? Even when you said before the whole thing with Jay-Z, you know, he tried to actually file lawsuits. To, mm. against the creator but it was actually decided that nope this is not technically you saying it so this is not a representation of you meaning you can't file a lawsuit a lot of people are stuck in the same situation as Ruth's, Ruth's friend yeah and this is this is I mean Jay-Z is someone who's rich and, and powerful enough to, to go after these even international lawsuits uh, uh, the example that you gave us Ruth uh, of your friend is I mean yeah they, they can't they can't take it to court because they they're not in the same position and i think those two classes of people who are also then affected differently uh, that's another part of this technology that's has a real real life effect perhaps it's not all bad you would be surprised that there are some beneficial factors to deep fix for example grievance therapy in which an actor would mimic the movements and smiles of dead relatives as to ensure that grieving families feel some joy other pros of deepfakes could include the creation of art and education. For example, David Beckham was famously deepfaked in a video in which he explained the dangers of malaria in 10 languages. Also, it can be used for education systems that could benefit. For example, there is a company named Udacity that uses deepfake technology to create educational videos automatically. So it can be used to make and produce interesting and engaging educational 
topics for those who may be interested and for maybe those who cannot access that type of knowledge and for people who find it easier to learn visually than um, necessarily through books and uh, so yeah it offers a different aspect to this. Do you guys think the positives may outweigh the possible negative sides and can you think of any other positive examples? As with any technology we really need to reflect upon ourselves, you know, what this could mean for ourselves in the future. In terms of the negative aspects and the dystopian reality of deepfakes, I think this is more of a negative thing. Sure, it's great to have grievance therapy and more educational resources, but at what cost? Should we limit our political outcomes and our financial outcomes that were influenced by deepfakes just so that we can still have grievance therapy? It might sound a bit morbid or a bit twisted even, but at the end of the day, I don't want to risk this technology just getting out of control. So obviously for me, there are more negative sides than positive sides. Yeah, I think if you came in with the typical liberal uh, centrist approach of like, yeah, but you know, this technology has benefits and we'll figure out a way of limiting its damages as we go on, I can understand that kind of view, but I do agree more with you, with what you said, Ethan. I think because of the breakneck speed that this develops, and as we heard clearly from 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 Rue, also the the real impact that this has on people's lives, I think maybe limiting this kind of technology might be a beneficial thing uh, to society, especially when you look at some of the other effects that it has in the world um, politically. Yeah, that's kind of where my mind is at. Then my problem is, how do we limit it? How do we feasibly do anything like that? I think it's too late. The cat's out of the bag. Pandora's box is open. Whatever idiom you want to use, it's out there and it's being used. And now we have to deal with the consequences. So as we mentioned prior, we live in an era where fake news is evolving. We usually, you know, would question when a politician would say something about a policy, if it would be a correct policy or something which would destroy the nation. Now we really have to think if the politician saying these words is really a politician himself after all. Unfortunately, not many people will think about this question when faced with an expertly crafted deepfake online. Let's say, for example, imagine you're a baby boomer, right? You're a baby boomer white supremacist in the United States named Karen. And you come across a Facebook video of your hated Muslim president, Obama, who confesses that he allowed migrants to come into the country as to destroy the white culture. Will you critically think about the content before sharing the video? Probably not. Unfortunately, empirical results show that no, most people will not question the validity of the person existing and what comes out of his or her mouth. You see, we humans have a tendency to bypass critical thinking when we have a preconceived notion of an event or a person, causing the spread of this type of fake news to completely spiral out of control. To take it further, the quality of the defake does not even have to be flawless for it to fool people, and before the video itself is debunked, it will already have reached its intended effect on society. For example, a couple of years ago, let's say before the widespread uh, evolution or revolution of defakes, uh, a person in France wanted to make a quick buck by impersonating the French Prime Minister of Defense, Le Drian. He thought that basically by wearing a rubber mask, having some glasses on, putting on an old person voice and a French 
flag in the background that he would be able to convince investors that he was the prime minister or that he was the minister of defense and they would basically like transfer him money. This would be done through video calls. At the end of the day, the scammer managed to get 80 million euros transferred to him uh, before getting caught. So this is the kind of Nigerian prince scam, but pumped up to the next level. So how do you think we should tackle this technology now? Should we ban it? Can we ban it? And should we improve our anti-deepfake technologies? Well, I don't think we can ban it for a start. I think um, in this post-truth era, basically we're in this reality where because our cultures are so multicultural, um, reality is forever being questioned more and more nowadays, science isn't used as a definition for the world and our reality and people question that. I think, you know, it goes down to what people like Pauliard said, you have the opportunity to now just Google anything, any statement you have about reality, and you will find proof or evidence from someone that can reiterate that fact. And I think deepfakes, their only job they're doing is increasing that, is just adding to the technology of what we have today. So your example of Karen, you know, going on to see that, now there's a visual representation of that. I bet you if you Google that statement, you will find an article which says Obama said this, or chief of staff says Obama said this behind blah, 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 or oh, we see Obama here from this and this and this, articles that say all this, written evidence, maybe even a picture of him standing on a normal thing, but we pretend that's associated to this. With deepfakes, this just adds to evidence because now you're seeing a real person, yeah. the person you think, speak and say what you are, you think, your statement, which is scary to our reality and understanding what truth is and understanding the world around us. It just becomes less and less. I think there's an optimistic understanding and consequentially a negative or pessimistic understanding of um, the way that we should ban deepfakes. So let's say nowadays there are hundreds, hundreds of companies and governments that are also involved in tackling this technology, but it will always be in pursuit of the deepfake. Mm -hmm. So let's say that once a deepfake video is released, it might take 24 hours, 48 hours or so uh, in that range somehow to get the video debunked, right? But in that time, as I said priorly, it will already have its intended effects. So it's good that we have technology. I'm very optimistic about this, that we have technology that can uh, scan deepfake material. But I don't think that in the future we will have like certificates, like watermark on every video after it's been analyzed by these companies. That's very hard to do. Yeah, I mean, the, the, then, then you come into the territory of, of, of what, what can the social media platforms do to do this? Will, will you have some sort of filter before something is then uploaded that it has to go through? And then, I mean, those are the only realistic options with the technology we have today that, that we, can, we can do. Uh, in terms of real-time impact. I think also what Ru was saying with the, with the articles, like, yes, there are already fake articles going around, fake tweets, uh, doctored images, but videos get a lot more engagement online. I mean, this is anecdotal, but if we look at the Master Diploma uh, Facebook page, you can see that the, anything that is video 
gets a lot more engagement than anything that is just an article. I'm pretty sure that this is also, you can scale this up and, and it's probably quite true for a lot of other things. Yeah, people will believe it. But it's not only, it's not only as, as we said, Karen believing that Obama is uh, yeah, letting in migrants on purpose to, to uh, satisfy his evil Democrat agenda of eating children and you know, making America Muslim. You also have the other side, right? Uh, if, let's, let's stay in the US for, for uh, consistency. You know, you have what we think already of Trump, our preconceived notions, allow us to believe these things when we see them online, even if we think we can, can tell what's real and what's not. People will probably fall victim to this from any political persuasion. Right. Um, another implication that we have to consider when addressing deepfakes is that it's nice and swell that we can realize now there's fake material online, right? But we might also just assume that too much of the material online is fake and that will have its impacts on the world stage. Yeah. So to give an example to what Ethan just said, the president of Gabon, Bongo, went missing for several months uh, prior to December 2018 where he was meant to give an address to the public. All of a sudden, that December, he showed up on television to make an address, except he looked extremely weird and not himself. He was constantly looking off screen, he looked paler than usual, his eyes were darting back and forth, and his speech was somewhat what, very robotic. Now, for a lot of people in the public, theories came about. One that was that he must be very ill, there is something wrong with the president. The one that seemed to prevail was the idea that this was a deep fake, and the government somehow was wanting to hide the fact that the president had died in order to maybe stop the coup. In the following months, a coup did occur, which ultimately failed, and then the president then reappeared after uh, the coup to basically let the public know that he had suffered a stroke. So what this shows is that our ideas of deepfake and our knowledge of them is actually having political consequences. This idea that if a president is ill now or something has gone wrong, the initial reaction is this is a deepfake, the government is hiding something. So it's adding to distrust in the society. Do you guys know any other examples of societal consequences related to deepfakes? Yeah, I actually have a um, couple of examples here. So one of them implies uh, financial consequences, right? So when you have a system which is as interconnected and as responsive as the international stock market, you know that any action can basically disrupt the price of stocks. For example, 10 years ago, there was a rumor that Steve Jobs had died turning out to not be real at all. But the, sh the shares that Apple had had basically dropped in, like, in value by between 2 and 5%. Okay, so now more of a relevant thing. So last year, a CEO of a famous company, which will remain unknown, or uh, which unnamed, which will remain unnamed, um, the CEO was defaked in a video where it was portrayed that he was um, basically snorting cocaine. Right. 24 hours later, that video was debunked. But during the time, the company's stocks completely, completely shattered. The perception of the investors had already been, yeah, had already been shattered in a way. So it doesn't matter if yes or no, the deepfake was there, who did it whatsoever. You should know that this has financial consequences, right? So hundreds of thousands of dollars lost or gained based on a lie. Um, so these are 
possible ways that there could be financial consequences. Of the societal consequences, we have already talked about. So we have already discussed and in which way it will impact our privacy, how we will be online, and as well how this impacts our perception of the truth. We could definitely speculate about the future of this technology. We know that political opposition leaders could make democratic countries not democratic at all. It could destroy our democracy by giving us perceptions of things that are not real. I'd like to come back to this episode maybe in five years and see if I was right about my prediction. <laughs> if you'll be allowed to do it. Make me. Oh, we'll, we'll fake it. Ah. We won't even need you. Fake me. Ah. Oh, I love my dad jokes. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The lead producer on this episode was Ethan. Co-produced by Brendan and Rue. The music in this episode was produced by Stone Ocean. This is our last episode for the year, and we'd really like to hear what you think. Please send us a message on Facebook or Instagram telling us what you think about the podcast. Anything is welcome. Thanks again for listening. Hoi hoi.